and the mistake we make is that the first bus that comes in everybody's getting onto it and we also want to jostle and get onto it because we see everybody getting onto it and then we are not pausing to think hey is this bus going to take me to where i want to go this is episode number 56 of the inspiring talk with author and speaker prakash ayer Welcome guys to The Inspiring Talk. My name is Vijay Gautam. I'm host for this show. Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential. Thank you so much guys for joining me on this episode of The Inspiring Talk podcast. I'm very pumped for my guest Prakash Ayer. Prakash is a best-selling author of books like The Habit of Winning and The Secret of Leadership. He's also a speaker who speaks extensively about leadership, teamwork and winning. He has already given multiple TEDx talks on those topics and I love the way he derives analogies from the simple things from our day-to-day life and share powerful lessons on his talks. Before becoming a full-time author and a speaker in 2015, Prakash was managing director of Kimberly Clark Lever and in past has served in several leadership roles in different multinational companies such as PepsiCo, Hindustan Unilever and so on. His latest book is You Too Can, where Prakash takes you up close and personal with 20 Indian entrepreneurs as they share the lessons that they have learned. I have met Prakash few months back after recording interview for the first time which I lost as my laptop crashed but Prakash is very humble and agreed to do this again and one thing that I love the most about him is the way he put forth his brilliant ideas and when you are around him you can feel his aura and you start believing in your dreams on this episode we discuss on a wide range of topics from entrepreneurship to building teams leadership finding your true calling and lot more make sure that you share this episode with your friends by visiting theinspiringtalk.com/56 and if this is your first time listening to this podcast make sure to subscribe by searching for the inspiring talk on apple podcast castbox or any other podcast app so that you won't miss any upcoming episodes now Without further ado, let me welcome the one and only Prakash Ayer. Welcome back inside this episode, guys. I have with me Prakash Ayer today. Prakash, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Vijay, for having me here. Thank you so much for your time again. Uh, we are recording this for the second time, and as I. lost the entire recording uh, when my hard disk crashed but uh, after our conversation last time quite a few thing happened uh, as i mentioned the first thing that happened was i lost the recording and and also you have helped me strengthen the belief that you know i too can and this week i quit my job and i think this is uh, the perfect time for us to have this conversation <laughs> <laughs> congratulations <laughs> oh yes uh, i mean i have these fingers crossed but i think uh, i i can take that chance So before we dive in would you like to talk about your origin story your childhood and how your growing uh, years were like and all that sort of stuff Oh a very uh, regular middle class existence i think uh, a very loving family an, an elder brother and an elder sister um, parents who i think uh, you know for whom family meant everything so that's really how it all started went to school lived in different cities and maybe that's impacted me a little bit so you know was born in jaipur lived a bit there went to delhi lived in mumbai so have traveled around a little bit in the country are you an army kid uh, no uh, okay. i wish i was though oh, that that happens usually with the army forces yeah yeah so from in terms of how any of that might have impacted me later in my life maybe a couple of things that i learned so as a little kid uh, i can still remember you know i was maybe 5 years old you know and uh, there was this chap who would take me on a bicycle to school and then bring me back so that was his job and he would take me on the bicycle i'd be riding with him and he'd take me to school bring me back but at age 5 mm-hmm. my parents told me that i had to carry my own bag okay so the bag is not something he would carry i would have to carry my own bag and uh, 
at that stage as a as a five year old try to carry one of those school bags uh, can look a little difficult especially when the other man is being paid to kind of take you to school and bring you back mm-hmm. um but i think that lessons kind of stayed with me for the rest of my life and i take great pride in 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 that little lesson and i think it's it's not just about carrying that own, my own bag as a five year old but i think it's taught me uh, some fairly significant lessons in my life and that's that i think is a message that i would probably give to other people you know make sure that you ensure your kids are carrying their own bags mm-hmm. not depending on someone else to do that for them um i also think uh, i learned a, a lot from my father and some of the skills that i might have today or some of the interests that i might have today and i specifically refer to perhaps i i like to write uh, i like to speak a bit i like to tell stories mm-hmm. and i think all three of these are are uh, things that i picked up from my father who helped me uh, in my early years and encouraged me mm-hmm. and i still remember uh, writing a little uh, maybe 70 word joke for my school magazine but just being uh, encouraged to try and do that and to get it published in the school magazine and then to be able to pick up that school magazine and see that it says at the bottom of that prakash ayer you know class 4b <laughs> you know is something that kind of said wow that feels so cool yeah and that, that also helps you feel more confident about yourself because you are now published right you see your name published and that that really helps you in fueling uh or having that confidence in yourself yeah i can do this too that is so true bitch that is so true so i think these early memories are some some incidents from my childhood will probably remain etched in my life and I, i'm i'm thankful i'm grateful for all that might have happened so that's really where we are and then of course you know school and college and work um, and maybe something that's been consistent for me has been the opportunity to meet with some fantastic people mm-hmm. i made some great friends uh, early in life um, i had some fabulous colleagues who continue to be friends uh, and i'm really grateful for that because i think i i've tended to be the kind of person who always looked at other people and said wow this is so much fun and you know i try and understand what other people are doing what's driving them mm-hmm. uh, what's making them uh, who they are um, so in my, in a sense for me school and college has been this laboratory of people mm-hmm. uh, who even after i finished formal education continued to teach me Uh, continue to inspire me continue to kind of tell me maybe there are different things that we can do in our lives and and that's that's probably added to the color in my life yeah and uh, one thing that you have mentioned is that your dad helped you in taking up writing and storytelling and to me you are very very interesting storyteller and the way you share your stories and derive values and listen from the smallest thing possible that is really fascinating so could you share something that your dad might have told you or if if there is anything that you could remember or may, maybe some things that your dad made you to do uh, so that you know you build up this interest in storytelling or uh, writing like a lot of things that happen in our lives i think when they happen to you you don't realize how significant they might be yes. uh, it's only when you look back that in a manner of speaking you connect the dots and say maybe that's where it all started and that's how it all began and for me Uh, I distinctly remember Vijay mm-hmm. uh, there was a school debate that I was participating in and uh, the topic of the debate was the goal of education is employment mm-hmm. and and I was speaking against the motion okay and as you might expect as a little kid it's you know you can't really make too much sense of it and then you depend on someone to help you and I was here sitting with my father mm-hmm. um and and my dad was trying to explain to me what how I might argue the case against the motion that the goal of education is employment yeah and and it's interesting he just picked up on the word the hmm and the entire thing was then to say that you know what you're not disagreeing that a goal of education is employment hmm but to argue that it is the goal meaning that it is the only reason why you need education is preposterous and i thought there was such a fabulous way to pick that up and then he gave me an example and he said you know he basically tried to say look at education and employment as let's say elephants and animals mm-hmm. elephants is education employment uh, is animals okay and he says that you know all education helps a little bit in employment etc cetera, etc cetera, is is true which is to say that you know education helps with employment when he says the thing that the only reason the only true why education is needed in employment is like saying that all animals are elephants which is not true so and i i still remember the crowd going crazy that day in school and you know i became a bit of a mini hero just using the example of elephants and animals to try and make the point about education and employment mm-hmm. and i said wow this is cool 
if you can tell people, you know, if you can move it away from an abstract conceptual piece around education and employment and bring, make it come alive by telling them about elephants and animals and how that might work, people get it. And people remember, and I still remember, you know, a year later, maybe two, some of the kids in school would come and tell me, you know, about elephants and animals. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, this is powerful. It worked in the debate that day. It's memorable. And perhaps if I was to try and think back, maybe that's what got me into this idea of saying that there are simple things in our lives. But if you can find the story, mm-hmm. uh, you can communicate your point way better than you might otherwise be able to do it. Mm, it's it's very interesting. And I think it's very powerful as a kid to get those opportunities. And, you know, once you feel that sense of uh, uh, confidence, you know, as you mentioned, becoming that mini hero. And I can totally relate to that because I was in fifth grade when I participated on debate competition like that. And the topic was village life is better than the city life. And I have to draw those examples and everything. And after, uh, you know, after that speech, even though um, like I did it all myself and the points that I made or put forward on that debate were not strong enough, very, very simple points, which, you know, made people laugh. But what it in turn has done to me was uh, uh, people coming to me and talking, wow, that was good. I mean, even though they were making it up, but that helped me feel like I was on top of everything. Oh, my God, I, I can speak in front of these 100, 150 students in front of school. That means, you know, and the reason that I'm bringing this up is one thing that recently I have once I, you know, look back at those early days in my own life, what I have realized was there has always been people who kept telling me that, wow, you are doing great. I mean, keep going, keep moving. You are amazing. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think that kind of surrounding of the people telling me you are doing good, you are doing good, you are doing good. And, you know, keep going, keep going, keep going. And when you hear that kind of things as a kid, that definitely builds that very strong confidence, right? So, uh, and and yeah. that has that has been happening, you know, uh, till my entire school days, in my college days. Uh, that you know gives me a super super confidence, and I think that's something that I can draw from uh, what you just shared, like having people around and you know making your kid feel special about the smallest thing that they might do builds yeah. that strong self confidence, which is which is super super important, right? I think it's a great point you make, Vijay. Absolutely right. And maybe there's a little other thing that's that I might want to talk about very quickly, which is yeah, sure. I remember that as a little kid, I was asked to speak on uh, on Republic Day. So I think that the flag hoisting, I'm forgetting now whether it was Republic Day or Independence Day, but we had a flag hoisting ceremony in school. And here was this little kid and I had to speak for all of 30 seconds, I think. I had to say some five lines. Mm-hmm. And... I had memorized those lines completely and the big day arrived and I stood up on, on, went up on stage when my name was called and I stood at attention mm-hmm. to speak those simple five lines that I had to for those 30 seconds. Yeah. And for what looked like the 30 seconds suddenly looked like six hours, but not a single word came out of my mouth. Oh. I just froze. Mm-hmm. I just froze. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was nervous as hell. I had no clue where I was. And that was my first taste of, of, you know, trying to do something like this and getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important memory too. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's all right. I tried something, I failed, but that didn't kind of scare me or deter me. I came back and I, and I spoke. And even today, if I have to speak today after all these years, and I enjoy it, I love, you know, that's what I do for a living, how I speak. And uh, I still find that before I go up on stage, there is a little sense of butterflies in the stomach I hope it goes well. I hope people feel good about it. I hope I can kind of get it right. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the other important piece. I think it's good to have failed. It's good to have got it wrong. And, you know, and it teaches you to come back. It teaches you that it's okay. And, and, and don't let it kind of hold you back. I think a lot of people are scared to try things because they're scared that they might fail. And I think if you can overcome that fear, there's, I think, joy and happiness at the other end of that hurdle. So now, uh, after school, you went on to take on regular job, right? What happened after uh, you completed your school or education? Let's talk a bit about uh, how you started on your professional journey. So interesting. While I was in college, uh, I wrote copy for an advertising agency in Mumbai and made some pocket money out of it. Mm-hmm. But that was another interesting experience. It, it got me interested. Or, or, you know, so I was, doing, I was in college and yet I was finding time to go and uh, and write copy for an ad agency so in again increased my interest in communication and advertising and I was, you know, I was a huge fan of that space and it also gave me a chance to write a bit and also perhaps as a little kid 
meet people who were bigger, better, from whom I tried to learn and who encouraged me. And, you know, obviously I was feeling very good about the fact that here was this lady who ran the ad agency who took a chance on me, mm-hmm. um, who said, you know, here's this young kid, wants to write, okay, let's give it a shot. Let's try and see if it can work. And, uh, and that's something else that I've tried to do later in my life too, which is when I see young people, I, I, I'd like to bet on, on raw talent. I like to bet on that unripe fruit uh, to say that maybe they'll get it right. And I think the hunger, uh, the passion that, that, that youngsters or people who may not know it all can bring to the table, I think can become fabulous. So that's really what I did even while I was in college. Um, and then, of course, went to work, started my career selling. And that's something else that I'd encourage everyone to do at some stage in their lives. I think you must go out and sell um, because that teaches you a skill that that's, I think, extremely vital in your life, which is re- to take rejection. Here you go, you, you think you've got something great to sell, you go and tell somebody, buy it, and the person says, no, I won't buy it. Again, not all of us are very good at it. We all want people to accept what we are saying. We want people to buy into our ideas. We want people to listen to what we are saying. But but knowing that you know you need to go and often you need to wait for the other person, it's humbling. Uh, it it keeps you grounded. True. And I think it's it's great experience. And um, so I started my career, sold soap. And then, of course, went on to, to do... Everything more. from soap, scola and diapers. That's true. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I have, you know, had a career. And then, uh, I guess, to fast forward that, after spending, what, nearly 30 odd years in the corporate world, mm-hmm. the second calling, as it were, kind of came. came and I, I, I wrote a book. This is now 2009, I think, mm-hmm. and got published in 2010. But I wrote a book and and that, I think, when it got published, it changed my life a little bit in the sense that it suddenly uh, suggested that may, I started speaking about the book and I would be invited to speak a little bit more. And I always enjoyed that bit. So even while I was at work, I enjoyed those opportunities to speak, whether it was the annual company conference, which was this big event, mm-hmm. or it was our regular monthly sales meets. Or it was, you know, uh, a communication with the team in in the office. Uh, I enjoyed this bit about speaking uh, and I really loved it. And a chance to perhaps tell people that maybe we can all get better. Maybe it doesn't matter if, you know, last month wasn't too good. Maybe it doesn't matter that our competitors are trampling all over us, but we can fight. We can get it right. I think this, this really was something that kind of enjoyed. The book happened, started to speak a lot more. And then, uh, and then, of course, I decided that that's really what I want to do for the rest of my life. And, and that, so in 2014, wow, it's almost four years now. Wow. In 2014 <laughs> is when I kind of stepped out formally from the corporate world mm-hmm. to, to pursue my passion. And that's what I do now. So your last assignment was, you know, you were heading the Kimberly Clark lever and you were in leadership position and uh, had the corporate life. And uh, and as you mentioned, like uh, you had those interests in storytelling and, uh, you know, writing from the very early is in your life. But when did you find that this is something that I want to do? Whether uh, is it like, had you always thought about that in some point of time in my life, I'm going to quit my job and get into, get full time into, uh, you know, being an author and speaking? Or when did that realization happen? And what was that moment like? One of, another big influence in my life has been a man called Brian Tracy. So I'm a big fan of, of Brian Tracy. And many, 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 many years ago, someone gave me a set of audio tapes. Um, it's called The Psychology of Achievement by Brian Tracy. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was fascinated by, by what he had to say and how he said it. And um, I use that a lot in terms of, you know, it helped me to clarify my own thinking. It, it certainly, uh, beyond just the speaking bit, it influenced me in the way I might have lived my life. And then, of course, uh, I felt good. And uh, like I said, I would speak to sales teams and I would be, you know, I would be sitting in an airport waiting for a flight someday and a man would walk up to me and I'd probably not recognize him. But he would tell me that, you know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago, he was a salesman with me in Siliguri. Okay. And then he would recall how I might have done something. And, you know, I, uh, without for a moment sounding boastful or any such thing, I'm just being honest. And the man would probably say something like, you know, I still remember and how something you said made a difference to my life. And, you know, today he's like deputy general manager in this large company and he's doing well for himself. And I would feel so good about the fact I'm sure. that here was a man yeah. who 
you know, who kind of started life pretty much at, at the very beginning or at, you know, at, at the bottom of the ladder, as it were, and then has gone on to do well. And for some strange reason, seems to think that something I said or did made a difference to him. And I said, wow, this is so cool. And I quite liked that. And I felt that maybe the purpose of my life, maybe the thing that gives me the greatest joy is this bit about making a difference to somebody else's life, to share something I might have learned, to share something about the way I might think that could make a difference to somebody else's life. And I think that was fascinating. So I, I really enjoyed that bit. And, and I would speak a fair bit. I would grab every chance I got to speak. And I remember at some stage, I had the pleasure of meeting Brian Tracy and telling him that, you know, I'm chucking up this, I want to quit. And I used to be CEO of another business at that time. And I, he's, and I said, I want to quit to speak. Mm-hmm. And he gave me good advice. And he said, uh, A, don't quit in a hurry. Mm-hmm. B, he said, speak. And he said, speak for maybe 200 times. He says, speak at a school, at a college, at your local club, at a rotary event. Anybody who calls you to speak and would have you speak, go speak. Yeah. You won't get paid for it, True. but speak. And if after 200 speaking gigs, if you still enjoy it, if you still want to quit and do it, then do it. He says, Domina, you know, it's not easy. It's not all roses. It's not, it might seem this cool, fun thing that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Get into it, do 200 of those, and then if you still feel like it, then quit. And I think that was great yes, advice because that's pretty much what I did there. Yeah. So I think that's a that's a very, very beautiful suggestion out there, not only in, in, in terms of speaking. And if you are thinking of leaving a job to do something that could be speaking or maybe writing or maybe to start your own venture or whatever that is, there, there need to be validation, right? Yeah, I mean, you you can... Uh, make it happen or you are enjoying which is which is more important than anything else you are passionate about that and what if you quit the job and next month you realize that this is not something that you want to do right exactly right and i think as i think of what you've done Vijay, i think you've done pretty much um exactly uh, the same thing which is that you've um you know you started this whole podcasting thing almost as if as a hobby true as a passion and you continue to do your day job and you continue to do the things that you were doing at work and then I guess this got wings. You could see that it's working. I'm guessing you enjoyed it. People said you're doing well with sure. it. People said, wow, you're doing a great job. And I think it's after that stage that you it gives you the confidence. And it also makes sure that we don't do things in a hurry. And you don't think, I think maybe the other piece on, on making this switch, and I'm again going back to what you might have done is, sometimes people make the mistake of saying, I hate my job. And therefore, I want to do something else. Sure. You know, and I think that's the worst reason to to try and make a switch. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be podcasting, or you shouldn't be you shouldn't have gone into podcasting because you didn't like what you were doing at work. If you didn't like what you're doing at work, learn to like it, learn to change mm-hmm. it, find something else. True. Making this big switch through a negative vote is a bad idea. I think it's got to be that it's not that I you know a bit like I, not because I love Caesar less, but because I love Rome more, mm. and it's got to be yeah. that. Just because you hate your job and you are just trying to find something, then that what if that is a momentary thing that you are enjoying for a couple of uh, days or maybe a couple of weeks, and then you know you start hating that as well, right? So, uh, yeah, exactly right. uh, true. So, okay, now this brings me to the point where you talk about um, finding your north, right? Which uh, you you uh, talk on your speeches as well. So, since people are working on the job, and most of them say that they hate their job, right? But What's keeping them uh, to keep working on their job and what's stopping them to discover their true north? I think we, we all get uh, into a state of inertia. Uh, we feel comfortable with what we're doing. It sometimes becomes fashionable to speak about the things you don't like. And it's nice to say, I don't like my boss or I don't like my, my job or I don't find freedom or authority or whatever else it is you're looking for. But what you don't say is, but I like the fact that I get this fat salary, which keeps me going. And I like the fact that, you know, after three years, I'll probably get to fly business class and I'll get a bigger car and I'll have more. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you get comfortable and, and then you don't think too much about whatever else it is that you might want to do. I don't think you also try hard enough to try and figure out what is, what else you might be able to do. So I think a sense of lethargy you kind of settle into your comfort zone. And other than complaining about what's happening, you don't really do anything about trying to, to try to solve the problem. 
yeah a lot of people do that like they keep complaining but uh if if you ask what are you doing to get out of this or what is your next action and they don't have anything that they have done and i think uh, they haven't thrown themselves into 10 different things you know and just to test out what is it for me if uh, this job is not for me right so i think yeah so now let's uh, let's switch a bit of gears to the work that you do right now which is speaking and writing books and uh, after leaving your job you have written already published three different books and uh, uh, with including national bestsellers such as the habit of winning the secret of leadership and the recent one you too can i'd like to know a bit about teamwork because you talk a lot about teamwork in your speeches and also on your book you too can and i love the story of how great team at big basket things and do things together uh, so how do you think a great team is formed and what needs to happen i guess um, great teams don't always happen because somebody goes out by saying okay next we're going to now form a great team i think it starts because fundamentally you start to attract people who either are like minded or share a common sense of what we want to do or just enjoy um working together maybe at the heart of a great team is is this belief that it's team before me very often people say that i want to achieve my dream and therefore now i want to form a great team i think that's a tough one you'll you'll always find then that you're constantly focused on me myself my goal my dream my vision and you're saying you want now the team to work together to make that happen mm-hmm. i think that's a tough one great teams happen when there are a bunch of people who say hey how can i help you to get better how can i help you to make your dreams come true how can i help you to become just a bit better than you might have been and that suddenly starts making people say wow i want to help you and then the other person i want to help him and then her and someone else and everybody then has come together not because they they constantly asking how what's in it for me how can i benefit from this but about saying how can we get it right together how can we make it happen and how can i help you to to make something different and i think if i go back to the big basket story it's interesting how you have a bunch of people all of whom extremely competent who could individually but perhaps have been entrepreneurs who could have done something on their own but all of them say hey, none of us wants to be ceo yeah none of us is is too bothered about saying i must be on the cover of that magazine next time and they talk about this about our business they are all happy saying hey i'd rather be at the back you know i am happy to let let someone else do it and i think this being able to put yourself as subservient to the needs of the team i think that's that's a good one it also helps i think to have a leader who thinks like that and eventually uh, you know teams are only as good as everybody else who gets in but it's good to have a leader who actually thinks like that and who wants people to to get better who's got the interest of the team at heart and who then inspires everybody to a goal which might have looked difficult to a goal which might have looked like it's impossible to do any event system on let's give it a shot i think that's important for me if, if great teams you will typically find happen when they have an ambition which seems just out of reach mm-hmm. you don't have a great team when they had all the resources that they needed and they set out to do something simple and it happened you know great teams happen uh, when you have a bunch of people on a boat and the boat capsizes and it's the arctic and it's all frozen and and death is staring them in the face and it looks like they will never get out of it and yet after 2 years they survive all of it and they come out alive now that's there is therefore here a leader and a team which says it doesn't matter that it's snowing it doesn't matter that our boat is gone it doesn't matter we don't have food we will find a way to overcome all of this and come out alive and when you have when that's the kind of goal you set yourself that's when i think the magic of teamwork begins to to show up would it be wrong to say that great teams or maybe teams are tested in the times of the tough phase or the challenges that the organization is going through whether you are going to stick together and work to get it to other side of the tunnel or you are parting your ways to to do your own thing because the ship is just sinking yeah i in general i think it's true for all of us that it's it's the testing times it's the crisis and the challenge that really brings out the true character of the individuals the true character of teams in good times when everything is easy and nice 
it's easy for everyone to be a good person sure. to be a good team player to be a good leader but it's when the chips are down that's when i think the true metal shows through that's the time when best expresses out of yourself that you you can give your best when you are challenged or when you are you know put on the hardship yep i tell a story bijay about tea bags and how leaders can learn something from a tea bag and my first lesson really is that leaders are like tea bags mm-hmm. it's only when you put them in hot water that you'll know how strong they really are so i think it's true for tea yeah. bags and it's true for leaders too so how do you derive lessons out of the smallest things of leadership lessons from the tea bags i mean who who would have thought thought that prakash so how how do you come up with these interesting lessons of leadership <laughs> from tea bag and teamwork from matka ford and you know mm. uh, and the stories from kites that that are very very uh, yeah. important lessons so how how does this work yeah i think uh, like i said earlier i'm a i'm a bit of a observer um, i i'm in awe of the world around me and i think that there's a lot that you can learn from from even the smallest person or the smallest thing around you and i sometimes think to be fair i've tried to ask myself what is it that kind of works for me and i think my mind has like a like two lens at work and one lens is the one through which all of us see and i'm seeing what i'm seeing out there and there is this other lens that is trying to kind of look at the same thing with a leadership perspective or a life lesson perspective and saying wow what can that teach us or is there a bigger message in what you see over there so you know it's like saying that you look out and you see a house with a large window Uh, and you know and i think this was i'm trying to remember now i think this is they say this about amsterdam and that the municipality in amsterdam several years ago encouraged people to have large windows in their houses because if you have a large window you'll keep the house clean and you know i said wow that's a that's an interesting story so even as the guide is telling you that that's why homes in amsterdam have large windows because it encouraged people to keep their houses clean so my that one lens in my in my head is listening to him and seeing this and the other lens is saying wow this would be so fascinating if if all human beings also had that same principle you know if you had if you were visible if people could see you if you were transparent and people could see what's on your mind then you would make sure that you only have good thoughts in your head that you have only positive stuff that you're not thinking how do i cheat the other person but how you are always thinking of how can i help someone else how can i be a good person because we all have these large windows in our lives in our bodies which is what people can see through and i say wow that would be interesting so just as an example and i'm i just came up with it now but to, to think that look mm-hmm. maybe there is this there are two ways of looking at everything so when i see uh, you know when i saw the tea bag and i said hey maybe there's an interesting lesson over here and 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 maybe that's how it kind of kind of comes to me one thing which is very interesting and even when i met you and uh, the ideas that you bounced off were very very interesting like having conversation with the guy who runs the lift <laughs> up and down you know and yeah. using that person to know about the characteristics and different kind of people that he meet throughout the day those were something you know that uh, you know with with normal brain you just don't think that there is a lesson out there or something that you can learn in that that kind of circumstances right so are there anything that you have done to come out with those thinking do you push yourself or are there any rituals that you uh, can look back at oh i think i have done this at certain point of time and i think that's how where i got this kind of mindset or is it something that you born with maybe the fundamental belief for me is that there is greatness in the other person mm-hmm. and whoever it is and there's a lady who sells vegetables uh, close to where i live and she's a legend you know she is set up a, she must have started with a a little cart or a, you know sitting on the pavement of the street but today she has a little shop of her own and the entire neighborhood flocks to that store because they know she'll give you you know good quality vegetables she'll have the right kind of stuff it's priced well uh, you'll get what you want but i'm i'm amazed and i think of to myself that wow here's a lady she might have been selling vegetables but she probably and she never went to school but she knows more about inventory management and inventory turns and i you know optimum order quantities and she's learned all of that and she's learned customer service and she's so there is a lot that we can all learn from ordinary people so maybe and i'm just being honest and i think fundamentally i, I respect 
people I see and I respect ordinary folks a lot more. They don't have any, they don't necessarily try and show that they are great and they have no airs about them. Um, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, Uber drivers, for example. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting in a car and someone's driving me and I'm very keen to hear their stories. Yeah. I want to know, where did you come from? How did you get into this? What were you doing before this? You know, uh, what, what, what do good, hey, wow, I see you have a fantastic rating. And, you know, so I'm, I'm keen to get a sense of that person. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a natural interest in other people. Yeah. Maybe it's curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that stood me in good stead. And I, I must confess that, uh, you know, many, many years ago, I was in a business where we had a, uh, you know, a crisis of sorts in our business. Uh, you might remember I used to sell cola. I used to work for, for a fantastic company called PepsiCo. And unfortunately, we had a situation in the country where there was this whole controversy about you know pesticide now as someone who worked that business i knew that it's not true i said hang on it's not with us it's about it's it's really about groundwater we clean the water but the sugar that we use you know is is has a lot of pesticide now you know all of it the whole world it takes tough to convince people on what might be happening but you know just to kind of cut a long story short at that moment in time i'm you know in my office we're getting into an elevator to go up. And in those days, this, this little lift in our building had a lift man. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy who, an old man who every morning I would say hello to and smile and say, how are you, et cetera, et cetera. But that was it. But I still remember that in the height of that crisis, that lift man looks at me and says, you know, I know you wouldn't do something like this. Don't worry. This will blow over. You'll be all right. Wow. Wow. You know, he didn't have to do it. But hey, he did that for me. And I'm saying, you know, there is a great, there is... There is greatness in the people around us. And hmm. I think we just need to respect it, maybe look for it. And, and I think the world is suddenly a much better place for all of us. Prakash, you have had opportunity to interact and work with some of the amazing leaders. So what are some of the habits or maybe if you have to say three most important things that you have found common in great leaders that set apart great leaders from rest of the leaders? I'm guessing there are loads of things that people do. And maybe bef- uh, even as I think of what those three habits that I might want to talk about, maybe I want to say something up before that, which is that, remember, there is mm-hmm. no one formula to becoming a great leader. Maybe one of the things that none of us should try and do is to become like somebody else and then start to do everything that that person does. There, is some, there are some natural traits. There are some things that make us uniquely who we are and it's a good idea to try and play to those strengths having said that i think there are some common things that um, that people that good leaders do i think they are very the first one would be that they're very good at at kind of having this dream or vision of something fantastic that they want the team to achieve they manage to articulate it well to the team they manage to communicate it to the team that this is where we are headed this is what we want to do and they managed to get that team to believe that we can do it. That, wow, I could be a part of this fantastic journey. That's what they make every individual believe. And they also make that individual believe that not only can I be a part of the journey, I can actually contribute to ensuring that this team can get there. And I think that's a great first trait for a leader to have. Have a, fan, a vision, a dream, a goal articulate it well to the team and get the team to know that they are they are core stakeholders in that journey to success. And that's something that leaders do very well. I think something else that leaders do very well is, is to try and get to know their people. I've seen some fantastic leaders who, who invest a lot of time in getting to know people, in getting to know who's this person and not just go by, you know, a three line description of his role or where did he study or what did he do or what was his previous role, but really an attempt to try and spend that, you know, an evening with that person to understand what makes the person who he is. And I think maybe this, some of this has come from my own early career uh, as a sales manager where, you know, I would travel to a small town. And one of the things that my boss and mentor told me was that, you know, he'd insist that if you were traveling to an upcountry town, you had to spend the night there mm-hmm. because otherwise you become one of these tourist managers, you know, go in the morning, land at a comfortable hour, have a good lunch, spend a few hours talking to the customer or the person. And then you're in a hurry to get back because you need to be home that evening. 
He said, doesn't work. So if you were to stay back that night, that gives you a chance to then perhaps, you know, have a conversation with the people you have met. It could be that poor sales guy there, the sales officer, it could be a distributor. One of them will probably call you home. So you get a chance to go to their homes, meet the parents. And you suddenly realize that, hey, you know, for those parents, that is such a big deal that their son works for this great Indian company. And, you know, he is a territory sales in charge and he's, he's you know, he's arrived in life. True. And, and I think it's good to see their dreams, their aspirations, their challenges and frustrations. And I think it just makes all of us better. It gets you also to understand that person a lot more. It gets you to know that person more. And then two years later, five years later, when you're taking a call on a person and you're trying to decide, should this person stay or go? Should this person get promoted? Should this person be given another role? I think it helps you that you're taking that decision having known what that person is all about. So I think good leaders take the effort to kind of get to know people. And the third trait, I think, is I think good leaders take, take decisions. They're not scared to take a call. They don't worry about all the time about will this be right. I think there's no way of guaranteeing that every decision you take will be correct. There's no way of guaranteeing success in all the initiatives that you have. But I think good leaders don't waste time agonizing over these decisions. They try and assess all the information that's available. They hear out whoever else has to be heard. And then they take a call. They take a decision. And they are willing to take a decision and say, hey, if it goes wrong, so be it. But at that moment, it looked like the right thing to do. So we did it. So I think sometimes you can have great leaders who try very hard to, to get consensus or who who are very scared to take a risk in life or who are constantly trying to say, I need to get this right. I need, I can't afford to fail. I can't afford to get it wrong. And I think that can become a problem. So maybe those are three things, you know, have a great vision, get to know your people and take decisions. Maybe that's a quick set of three. I could probably add 300 more, but maybe we'd stop at three. Absolutely. These are amazing lessons, powerful lessons. And Getting to know your team is something that I think is uh, very, very powerful. The moment that, you know, you do those smallest things as meeting their families and, you know, uh, and getting to know them, the way that employee look at you and the organization totally, you know, uh, that's totally changed. And, you know, they do have trust in the organization and they, they are like they can uh, be more honest to the organization and put their best. Love that one. Now, talking about entrepreneurship, there is a tremendous amount of patience and perseverance that needs to go to build or get something big done, right? But this is the world of instant gratification. I upload an image and I need to get comment within a minute or maybe likes and loves, right? And uh, uh, if I want something, then I can go to Amazon and just purchase it within a minute and it gets delivered next day, which is feeding on our minds that things that we want in our life are just clicks away. So how one can develop that kind of patience and perseverance to get something big done in their life? I mean, especially in this world where patience is uh, getting tough for people to build or develop. Interesting. And I think um, what you've talked about, of course, is a real challenge for most people. But perhaps that's really what separates the, the winners from the rest. You need some clarity first on what is it that you're looking for in your life. And an example I use on this is to say that, you know, most of us are standing at a bus stop waiting for a bus that will take us to our destination. And the mistake we make is that the first bus that comes in, everybody's getting onto it. And we also want to jostle and get onto it because we see everybody getting onto it. And then we are not pausing to think, hey, is this bus going to take me to where I want to go? I think you need to know I'm standing at the bus stop not to get into a bus. I'm standing at a bus stop to get a bus that will take me to where I want to go. And we get tempted because we are standing at a bus stop and we feel that we'll get left out. My goodness, everybody's getting into the bus, so let me also get onto it. Or the bus looks so nice, so let me get onto it. And that's the mistake that we can make. I think you need to be clear about what is it that you are trying to do? Where is it that you want to go? And if you're clear about that, then you realize that, hey, the first bus has come. It's looking good. Everyone's getting onto it, but it's not going to take me to where I want to go. So I'll wait. And then I might be alone 
and everybody else might be gone. But I know that, hey, five minutes later, maybe 10, another bus will come and that will take me to where I want to go. So I think having that clarity about where you want to go, what is it that you want to achieve? I think that is really the first step to, to developing the patience and the perseverance and the grit and the resilience that will allow you to kind of eventually get it right. I would want to understand, if is there anything or any way that you have encountered that has worked for yourself or the people you have worked with uh, in terms of knowing yourself and defining vision for yourself? Uh, are, there, are there anything that you'd like to share on that? I'd probably say two things. First, whatever it is that you're doing, try to do it well. We all get fascinated and tempted by what might be or the road not taken. And then we are constantly fantasizing about that. Uh, but maybe the first lesson in life to make a success of whatever it is that you do. Make it work. Be good at it. It doesn't have to be the thing that you've always loved. It doesn't have to be your dream job. It doesn't have to be the one relationship that you always Make it work. I think that will teach you that life is not about, you know, being lucky and being dealt a great hand, but it's about learning to play the hand that you're dealt, playing it well, playing it as well as you can. And therefore, you know, if you're writing code for that software company and you think it sucks and you think that it's not what you want to do and you think you have a lousy boss, work on saying, how can I become the best coder this business has ever had? How can I make sure that I improve my relationship with my boss? So that I start to respect him more and he starts to like me a lot more. So start to work on getting it right. I think that's the first bit because then it teaches you there's no getting away. There's no escaping from the real world. Otherwise, the risk you will run is whatever you choose to do, you will find that you're not enjoying it, not liking it. And you're then looking to do something else all the time. You're constantly looking for the next move, the next job, the next career break, the next relationship, the next everything. That's the first one. The second one in terms of being able to find what is it that might work for you. Uh, I'm a fan of this, this idea of the, Jap the Japanese idea of Ikigai, you know, and you've probably heard of it and I'm sure lots of people may know it. But just to kind of quickly capture that again, I think it's really to try and find the intersection of these three or four things. And the first is to try and find out what do you really enjoy doing and what makes you happy, what gives you joy. What is it that you really enjoy doing? So that's the first one to look for. The second is, what are you uniquely good at? And I think that's an important one. What are you uniquely good at? And I think that's, that's an interesting one because it's, it's, it's about saying that, you know, I'm good at it. I'm pretty good is not enough. What are your unique strengths? What is it that people say you do better than anyone else? My goodness, you're so good at it. What's that mm -hmm. second step? You know, that's really the second one to look for. The third is, what, what adds has value it must have value what is it that you do that can have value and i say this in the context of saying that it's got to have value people must be willing to pay for it even if you don't need the money people must be willing to pay for what you do so you might say that you know i'm very good at cleaning potatoes uh, and i really enjoy cleaning potatoes but if people are not going to be putting too much value on that and say you know i don't really need you to do it then it's unlikely to be something that you will be able to make a life out of. And maybe the fourth one to add to this is something that then makes a difference to the world we live in. You know, I think it must make a difference. And you must find a way to say that the big man said it right. You know, how do I make a small dent in the universe? And I think we all, in our own ways, can make that small dent in the universe. And you must try and say, how do I find the intersection of what do I enjoy? What am I uniquely good at? What has value? And what can make a difference to this world? And if you try and put them together and look for that common space there, you will probably discover what is it that is truly the calling that you were meant to live. What is it that would be the best use of that time that you're going to spend on this earth? Wow, I really love those lessons, uh, Prakash. Thank you for sharing um, those amazing, interesting lessons there. And I'm sure that there is a lot for people to learn on this. And one of the things that uh, you have mentioned earlier in this conversation was how Brian Tracy has helped you in a way to, you know, take this course uh, or step in your life. And uh, which brings me to the importance of having mentors in our life, which is also the way of saying that you don't have to make those mistakes 
and you can learn from others who already has done that right mm-hmm. uh, who has made those mistakes and who has been successful in their life so you can learn from both of them so uh, do you have mentors yourself now and how do you find or what is your approach in taking someone as mentor in your life so yes i've been um, i've been lucky to have had a mentor in my life so very early in my career i had the privilege of working with a man called suman sinha and as it happens across two organizations and one lifetime i've had a chance to kind of work with him and i think he's been a tremendous source of learning inspiration and a lot of what i i'd like to believe that i've learned about leadership and teams and working in building organizations is stuff that i learned uh, from from suman sena so he's been a huge influence on my life and a big mentor while i was doing this book uh, on entrepreneurs i met someone who, who gave me an interesting lesson he talked about the role of mentors and 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 how a mentor had played a, a huge role in his life and i asked him the question that uh, that vijay you just asked me about how do you find mentors and he gave me a very interesting response and he said most of us when we are looking for mentors are looking for someone who can help us and we are saying how can i find somebody who can help me in my career how can i find somebody who can help me to do a better job and he says flip it he says when you're looking for a mentor find someone in a position of authority who will say how can i help him or her to do a better job how can i become the go to person for that leader how can i become the person that he will turn to and say you know i need to get this done and i know who can do it for me become that kind of person and suddenly he says that person will become a mentor and then that person will do everything to help you to get it right but the starting point is to find someone other and then he i still remember he told me about a song you know an interesting song from a hindi film and he said that's the the mantra for finding a mentor and the song was something which goes like this which says tum apna ranjhog hum apni pareshani mujhe de de or mujhe de do tum apna ranjhog hum apni pareshani mujhe de do and he says that's what you should be saying to your mentor give me your problems in life give me your challenges hmm. and and that's a good way to find a mentor in your life i think that's brilliant um i i love that if you have to look back at 23 years old prakash ayer and uh, give a message to him what would be your message to 23 year old prakash who might have just started with his professional life yeah it's 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 an interesting question i think uh, at one level i probably uh, you know as i look back i've often maybe it's again a mindset thing i've often never really regretted anything and i've always felt good about the stuff that i might have done and even when i've made mistakes i felt that's been a good reason and it's taught me something i've learned something from it but what's the advice i would give that 23 year old prakash um, as i look back now um maybe a couple of things one i think um unfortunately for some of us our peak years in our work life and career also coincide with the years when our children are really young and growing and i wish i would tell that young prakash to probably find that balance just a little bit better make sure that you are there for those kids a lot more uh, i keep telling myself i was there and i've had a huge influence on my children and i don't think i i'd start uh so, but i'm torn and i sometimes think i wish you know today when i spend time with a little kid and i have more time in my hands to do that and i if i see another friend's child or a, someone else's kid i love children i spend a lot of time with them and then my wife will tell me you know i wish you'd spend as much time with your own children Uh, and i tell her i did but she says no you probably didn't and you know maybe the fact that you had to travel and you know spend time in the market and and make sure targets were being met and come home late in the night and 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 maybe i wish yeah. I, would, i would probably tell him find a way to spend more time with your kids uh, because they'll grow up and they'll grow up faster than you know so maybe that's that's something that i would i would probably tell him the second thing i would tell him is prakash if you have this other passion in life don't wait too long push it you know try and find ways to to make that to make that happen try and find ways to kind of do something with it what is the one vision or dream that you have right now that you are very very passionate about achieving in your life i i'm really excited by the idea of making a million leaders bloom in this in the world that i live in um i i often felt that we all get taught 
how to read and how to write and how to add and subtract while we're in school. And then we get taught, you know, principles of operations management or we get taught accounting and, uh, and a whole lot else. But somewhere along the way, people don't really teach us what does it take to be a good human being? What does it take to be a good leader, a good team player? What does it take to become the kind of person who pushes herself or himself to become as good as you can be? And I'd like to be that person who kind of steps in and helps each of us to perhaps turn on that one light inside our head, which can help us to become just a bit better than we might have otherwise been. That's really what excites me. And I think whether I'm writing, I'm coaching, or I'm speaking, I'm hoping that in whatever I do, I'm making that little difference to that some other person who might who I might have had the privilege of coming in contact with. Yeah, absolutely, Prakash. You are uh, definitely, you know, moving in that direction to make one million leaders bloom around the world. And uh, as you mentioned, through your books, the way you write and the way you speak is are inspiring and i'm sure there are so many people out there who has got a lot of stories to come back to you and share with you prakash you know what you made a difference in my life thank you so much for that so uh, yeah so now it's time for the enlightening round are you excited yes i am always am so prakash what inspires you to do everything that you do what inspires me to do everything that i do uh i think that like i said the, the the realization that i could possibly make a small difference in another person's life which one daily habit do you believe has been game changer for you in your success journey i i think i take maybe 30 minutes a day every day to just dream to look back reflect think dream and that's that's i think an interesting thing for something i would recommend to other people too I want to know more about that. Could you walk me through the process or how, what does it looks like? No, I think um, because of the fact that we are all strapped for time and all of us think multitasking is such a cool thing, we are all const- we are all uncomfortable not doing anything. We are constantly trying to, you know, utilize our time so to speak. We think that if we are not doing anything, we are wasting time. And I I probably say that's not true. So every day I would very often it could be that i'm sitting at my desk and 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 not looking at a screen i'm just thinking i'm just doing something i'm trying to reflect and maybe that's when i get some ideas around what i might want to do next maybe something to here's something that i could write about maybe i think of something that happened in the past which could be an interesting lesson maybe i think of so i'm i'm just thinking i'm just dreaming at some level mm-hmm. it could happen when i'm sitting in an aircraft it could be i'm waiting for someone it could be i'm i'm out on a golf course but i'm I'm lost at that moment and I think it's a good idea to be lost. Yeah, sure. So could you share a book or two that has influenced you personally in the recent past? So I'm a big fan of Malcolm Gladwell. Um and therefore I probably say that I like his his style and and the kind of stuff that he does and his ability to turn around and look at at what might have at seemingly small incidents or some research somebody else might have done and then to try and extrapolate that to get lessons um from for all of us um so that's i mean i'm a big fan so outliers by gladwell i think is is something that i i thought was wow very very good i like books which are in this intersection of of life and perhaps psychology or economics and therefore someone like a dan arely who wrote a nice little book called predictably irrational um i like that because it teaches you about how we think and how we might think we are these rational human beings but we actually behave in a pretty predictably irrational manner so i like that intersection of science psychology learning with with the way we might be in our lives uh, i'm also a big fan of of sport and what it might teach us and i'm trying to think now that there's a, a lovely book called bounce by matthew said and and he talks about you know learning resilience learning learning what sport can teach us uh about life and that's something else that excites me so i often i also i'm a big fan of cricket and sport in general and i love how you can draw lessons from sport for the larger game of life could you share some online tool or app that you use on a regular basis that maybe helps you in becoming better organized or maybe disciplined or something like that ah i wish i was i would have a great answer for that one but i i just tend to use a very simple function on uh 
in my on my phone, which is the notes feature where I keep making notes for myself. Uh, I don't use some of these more, uh, how do I put it, sexier apps, perhaps, which do it. Maybe I should, and maybe you should give me some advice on that. But I use notes extensively. And if I'm on a call with, with a potential client or if I'm on a call with someone who's trying to brief me with someone I'm working with, I would constantly have notes open to keep making notes of whatever we are talking about. And my favorite page on the notes, of course, is my writing pad where I keep, if I get an idea about something I could write or speak about, that goes in there. Mm -hmm. I've learned that our memory is a very, very tricky thing. And very often we forget we might have this great idea and half an hour later you can break your brains to figure out what that was, but you'll never get it back. And I think writing it down helps. So I write down everything that I need to do. Amazing. So... Prakash, we have come to an end of this interview. I have only one question left for you. But before that, if people would like to learn more about you and your work and maybe uh, attend one of the uh, speeches or the talk that you are giving or maybe programs that you are organizing, what's the best possible way for them to reach out to you and connect? Um, so I'm a very simple guy. Anything anything that you want to do, you can, you'll probably find me on, on most of the usual places. So on social media, you'll find me. Uh, whether it's on on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter. So follow me. And if I'm doing something which is an open program, uh, you'll usually find that I'll mention it somewhere there. Um, But otherwise, you'll also find a way to just reach out and connect with me and and send me a message. And I'm more than happy to to connect, make new friends. And if I can help in any way, more than happy to do that. And guys, also make sure that you get his latest book, You Too Can, it is filled with amazing stories of great entrepreneurs of the country, uh, right from the one that we have mentioned about the big basket. Uh, and also there are some other amazing stories that you can take a lot and a lot of values from. And uh, uh, that is Prakash mentioned earlier in this conversation. It was like you sitting next to the entrepreneur on airplane and asking your questions, every little questions. And and uh, is you must have noticed by now, Prakash is such an observer and he asks the minute things that, that you can ever think of. So I really enjoyed reading that book and I'm sure that you can get a ton and ton of values and entrepreneurship from his book. So uh, I link that up on show notes page of this episode. Make sure that you get his book and also get in touch with Prakash and follow him on LinkedIn. He writes a lot of articles and his videos and uh, the the videos that we talked about, the tea bag and the uh, deriving lessons from kite and deriving lessons from unusual thing that you might uh, have never thought. Um, just go and watch those videos. Maybe I can I will link some of them on solo space of this episode. Now, Prakash, here is the last question for you. Yeah. Imagine that you are standing on a stage on the biggest stadium that has ever been built in the history of the world, and there are millions of people on that stadium looking at you and eagerly and passionately wanting to listen to you and you have been given one minute of the time to share the most important lesson that you have learned in your life. So what would be your message? Just standing in front of this large crowd, uh, you know, I wouldn't have a message to give. I just probably soak it all in. And, and love the fact that, hey, I've had, God has truly been kind to give me, put me in this place where there's this huge audience waiting to listen to me. And I'd, I'd probably go back to being that, that eight-year-old child standing on school stage on Independence Day and I'd probably be frozen and wouldn't be able to say anything. But if I can muster my wits around me, um, what would I tell them? Phew, I'd probably have a lot to tell them about believing in yourself, about being a good human being, about helping other people. But if I had to have one message, one lesson that I'd say I've learned in my life, and I want you to remember, um, I'd probably tell them the story of, um, of, of Joseph Heller, who wrote Catch-22. Uh, it's an interesting story that, I, you know, that kind of influenced me a bit too. And uh, so the story goes that Joseph Heller was out with a friend and they were at a at a at a cocktail party at an investment banker's fancy home uh, in just outside New York. And as they were there, the friend who had taken Joseph Heller along said, "You know, look at all these people around, and you know they were all drinking the finest wines, and you know everyone's having a great time." And then the friend said something to Joseph Heller. He said, "Do you realize that our host 
this investment banker, probably makes more money in a day than you made in a lifetime. And Joseph Heller takes a sip of the wine and says, yep, that's probably true. But you know what? That person will never have something that I have. And the friend says, what's that? And Joseph Heller says, enough. I have enough. And I think that's a powerful lesson for all of us in our lives. It's important for us to figure out our own enough. You need to know when you have it. I really enjoyed having this conversation with you, Prakash. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure entirely, Vijay. Like I said, thank you so much for having me here. I'm a big fan of the work that you're doing. Good luck on your journey uh, as you now go into full-time being a podcaster, podcasting coach, and a terrific guy to know. It's been a pleasure knowing you. Pleasure talking to you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. TheInspiringTalk.com forward slash 5656. Guys, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode with Prakash Iyer. If you did, make sure that you share this episode with your friends and family by visiting the show notes page at theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 5656. And you can also access all the links to resources such as books and videos mentioned in this episode by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 5656. And to finish this, guys, this new year, you have got to act on the dreams that you have on the back of your mind. Don't let any excuses and challenges come in your way. The only way to get a step closer to your dream is by taking action. After all, your dreams doesn't work for themselves. You have to. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring.